This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. Before you're seated this morning, and I'm ready to preach, but I want to take just a moment to say thank you to any first responders that we have in our congregation or that may be watching this morning by live stream. Our nation 21 years ago suffered a terrible attack. And I think it's important that we recognize those who serve our communities as first responders but also at some point today that we take a moment to pause and remember those who lost their lives on this day 21 years ago. And I'm thankful today that on this day 21 years ago many thought that was the end. And many rushed into God's house expecting the end of the world to take place. But I'm thankful today that God extended time at least for another 21 years so more souls could be won to the kingdom. Amen. I'm going to go right into my text this morning. If you have your Bibles this morning, scriptures will be on the screen. Look with me to the book of Luke, the 10th chapter. I want to begin reading in verse number 38 of Luke chapter 10. The Bible says, Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. I want to use for a title this morning, That's My Job. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity this morning to deliver your word. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. And Father, I pray today that your word would move past our hearing. And God, that it would penetrate our heart. God, I pray the message you have given me will challenge us and stretch us and help us to grow in our daily walk and relationship with you. Father, I bind every spirit of distraction in the name of Jesus. I bind every demonic spirit in the name of Jesus that would attempt to hinder 
your word from going forth. Lord, I pray your word over the message today that your word will not return void, but God, it will do that which it is sent to accomplish. Lord, I confess this morning that I'm just human flesh and blood, and I pray that you would hide me behind the cross. God, anoint my lips to speak your word today, and I ask that nothing proceeds out of my mouth except that which is anointed and authored by you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Would you give the Lord one more hand clap of praise this morning as you're seated? That's my job. Some of you will recognize this and some of you will be like, who is that? But in 1987, Conway Twitty released a song by that title, That's My Job. Anybody know who Conway Twitty is? I thought a few of you might. But today, my job or my task, my assignment, is to give us a new meaning to the title, That's My Job. You see, we live in a time when people have become so consumed with their duties and their responsibilities that we don't have time for what is most needed. And I believe if we could simply hear from the Father this morning, we would hear Him say something like this, All I want from you is your worship. Are there tasks to be completed? Are there responsibilities to be tended to? The answer is yes. However, we must remember that first, and foremost, before we are called to do a job or before we are called to do a duty, we are called to be a worshiper. We are called to sit at the feet of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Before I am a pastor, before I am a husband, before I am a father to my children, I must be a worshiper to my Savior. I want to dive into this text this morning and I want to talk to you about some of the interesting things that I see here. The first thing I want to talk to you about is the place. The place was the house of Martha. Jesus was welcomed into the house. The Bible says that he was received into her home. and So this tells me that she wanted Jesus there. He was not intruding. He was not forcing or pushing himself upon anyone. But he was received and welcomed. He was permitted. The word welcome literally means to permit to enter as a guest. He was received well. And he was being hosted by Martha. You see, when you invite someone into your home, you're hosting them. And typically we refer to this as entertaining someone or entertaining guests. And you may serve them a meal or a dessert or a cup of coffee. And you may entertain conversation with them as a way of hosting them in your home. But here we have Martha hosting Jesus in her home as we see in Scripture that she's received Him. And the word received in the Greek literally means to entertain someone as a guest. And, and, and so the place of this setting was in the home of Martha. They were in her house, her place of dwelling. Uh, your house is a place of private space and it's 
personal space. It's, a, it's an intimate space. The word intimate literally means personal or private. And this is the place that she had received Jesus into. I'm reminded of the analogy as Jesus lives in our heart. It is a dwelling place for him. He comes and he resides in our heart and he must first be invited into the place of our heart. He will not force himself on you. He will not barge in. He must be invited. And once he's invited, everything changes. There's a song that says when Jesus walks into the room, everything changes. Or should I say, now that's what the song says, but maybe I should say it like this. Maybe it's supposed to change when Jesus walks into the room. But it doesn't always change when the Spirit's in the room. Hello. Because if it always changed, we wouldn't be admonished in Scripture to quench not the Spirit. I'm reminded of a passage of Scripture in the Old Testament when this man wakes up and he says, Surely the presence of the Lord was in this place and I did not know it. You mean the Spirit of God can be in a place and it not be recognized? It absolutely can. So the place here was her home and the place we have is, is he welcome into our home? He absolutely is. But the reality of it is I'm not speaking of a, a physical house. I'm speaking of my life and my heart. I want him to be welcome. I've invited him to come in and take up residence in my life. But I want to show you something else that happens here. Not notice just the place, but also notice the preparation. Martha was busy doing what a good host does. She was preparing for her guest. The problem here is that she was so consumed with her preparation that she became distracted. She was doing something well, however, she was lacking in another place. Her preparations may have been important, however, they were not the most important. Can I, can I preach right here for just a minute? We do many things to prepare, but our preparation is not the most important. What does that mean, preacher? Here's what it means. As a pastor, I must prepare. I must pray. I must read the Word. I must study the Word. I must prepare a sermon to deliver on Sunday. But the reality of it is, that is not the most important duty and task that I've been given. The most important thing that I've been tasked with is to sit at the feet of Jesus. And if you study well enough, and you read well enough, and you do it long enough, you can become a great writer. But what we must practice more than the reading and the writing is the worship that we give unto our Heavenly Father. We've got to be a worshiper. I don't care how much you prepare. And absolutely, you should prepare for Sunday on Saturday. You should make plans on Saturday to be in church on Sunday. Hello, somebody. Why is that important? Because if you wait till Sunday morning, the old enemy is going to come up and give you a thousand and one reasons why you don't need to go to church. Hello. But the reality of it is we can get so consumed and with our preparations and we can get so consumed with our responsibilities and our duties that all we're doing is we're running around and we're preparing and we become distracted by the assignment. But can I tell you that the first and foremost assignment we have is to be a worshiper? 
is to sit at the feet of Jesus. Oh, let me talk to you about this a little further. It is important to note here that the Greek meaning of the word preparation is literally service or ministry. I know this is not something we typically would consider, but we can get so consumed with the work of ministry that we forget to worship. We can become so consumed with what our obligations are and what our responsibilities and our duties are that we stand and we forget to lift up our hands to an almighty God who saved us from hell and did something for us that nobody else could do. Can I tell you what the word distracted means in the Greek? Look at this carefully. Look at what it says. It says that Martha was distracted by all her preparations. If you look at the word distracted, now the King James says encumbered. But if you look at that word, I don't know what this is going to do to the live stream, but I've just got to be me and I'm getting down here on the floor to preach. Is that all right? It's going to have to be all right. I'm your pastor. I'm going to take my liberty. The word distracted, or in the King James encumbered, literally means to drag around, to drag along. So let me ask you something. What did you come into God's house dragging along with you this morning? What did you walk through the door dragging around with you that had your mind so consumed this morning that you were not able to worship? What did you walk in here with? That was consuming your thoughts and consuming your plans and your preparations were being made that you forgot to engage the Father in worship. Can I tell you this morning that nothing you're dragging around is that important? Nothing that you're carrying around this morning is that important? You say, well, preacher, you don't understand what it does to my life. You don't understand how important it is because maybe it's something to do with your children or maybe it's to do with your spouse or your family. Hear me when I tell you. I read one time in a real good book that if you'll cast your cares upon the Lord, He wants you to cast them upon Him. You don't have to drag the mess around. Drop it and lift your hands and worship the Father today. Listen, we get so consumed with this, we'll drag things around for years. Martha was distracted by her preparations. She was dragging around some dirty dishes. I can see it. See, just recently washed dishes. I have a vivid imagination. You're about to find out. Jesus has walked into the room. And he is seated in the room. But Mary's over here with a dish rag and a wet plate that just come out of the sink and she's drying it off so she can set the table. She was in the presence of Jesus, but she wasn't present. Did you hear what I said? She was in the presence of Jesus because he was present in the room, but she wasn't present in the moment. You've got to understand something. 
No matter how many times we come in this house on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or any special service, no matter how many times we walk in the door, we will never be assembled just like we are right now. Look around you. Somebody will always be here that's not here now. Somebody may be absent that's not here, that, that's here today. But whatever the case is, the sermon won't be the same. The music will be different. There'll be different songs that are being sung. What are you saying? I'm saying that God every week we gather together orchestrates a unique moment in time that if we fail to engage Him in worship, then we're going to miss something special that He has for us. Never can we ever afford to let Jesus be present in the room and us not be present with Him. But when our thoughts are being consumed by the duties of the day and everything else going on in the week and we miss the moment, you never know what miracle you've missed. You never know what blessing you've missed. But Jesus was in the room and Martha was drying dishes, sitting at the table. And then she got a bad attitude. Hello, somebody. I'm going to preach just like I feel it right now. She got a bad attitude. Because, isn't it the way it is? Somebody was worshiping while she was working. We get a bad attitude. God, I don't know how they can raise their hands and praise you. I've had a week from hell. How, can they, how come they didn't have the week I had? We get a bad attitude sometimes. I'm not mad at anybody but the devil. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't know why the Lord gave me this message other than to do what I asked him to do, and that's to grow us and stretch us. And I don't know what you've been consumed in your mind with. I don't know the thoughts that you've had, but I just come by to tell you this morning, you've got to let those go. Let everything you've been concerned about go. Let everything you've been worried about go. Let everything you've been bothered with go. And just lift your hands and worship Him. I've come to find out that it's impossible to worry while you worship. Because if your mind and thoughts are consumed with Jesus, you can't be worried about what's going to happen on your job tomorrow. You cannot worry if you're worshiping. My Lord. Martha got a bad attitude. Look at what happens. She was consumed with her preparation. She was consumed with the work of serving. And she goes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving? She's just sitting there doing nothing. She's doing nothing. She's just sitting there, Jesus, and I'm over here doing all the work. Have we ever been there? I don't know what they're doing, but I'm over here doing all the work. I read in a good book one time that when you do something, you do it as unto the Father. And you don't worry about anything else. Anybody have a copy of that book? Huh? Jesus! She's just sitting there. I'm going to put it in plain, everyday language. She's just sitting there. I'm over here drying dishes, sitting at the table preparing for the meal. But Mary's just sitting there. Because Mary was present in the moment. And she realized that no matter how much the table needed to be set, no matter how much the dishes needed to be dried, no 
matter how much the food needed to be served and the drinks needed to be poured, Mary understood one thing. It can all wait because there's a presence in this room that's not been in here before. There's a presence in this room unlike any place I've ever been before. And when you walk into the room in that kind of a presence, everything that seems to be important, everything that seems to be vital can just wait. I said it can just wait. Because you see, when Jesus walked into the house, everything changed for Mary, but nothing changed for Martha. Martha did her thing. Mary said, I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus. Which brings me to my third point. The posture at the Lord's feet. Mary was seated at the Lord's feet. This is the place to be. This is the most important place and thing we can ever do. Mary was listening to him. She was gleaning from his words and she was drawing from Jesus. She was devoting her attention to the Lord as she looked into him and everything going on around her was of little importance. Mary was not distracted. She was where she was supposed to be and doing what needed to be done. And I imagine, I don't know how it was back in those days exactly, but I know how it is in today's world. You know, if one's sitting and somebody's working, you, you set that plate down a little harder so it's a little louder so you try to get somebody's attention, right? Right? You make sure that ice hits those glasses just right so it makes a lot of noise. So you're trying to say, get up and help me without saying, get up and help me. And I can just see Martha. Bam. Plate. Bam. Saucer. Bam. There goes the glass. And she's looking over there at Mary. Now I know it's funny and you're laughing and that's fine. I don't have a problem with that because I love laughter. But don't miss, the, don't miss the spiritual point right here. Regardless of the volume of the noise around her, Mary never became distracted. You see, when you begin to just turn everything loose and throw everything by the wayside and make up your mind, you're not going to let anything consume your mind. You're not going to let anything consume your thoughts. You're going to get your mind on God and you're just going to be a worshiper. Can I tell you, the devil's going to bring everything he can to make as much noise as he can and he's going to try to distract you and draw your attention. But let me tell you what you do. You just draw in closer to Jesus. You just worship Him a little more. Just dive in deeper with Him and don't let the volume of the noise or the clanging of the dishes distract you from him. You know how it is in church. The moment you close your eyes and the moment you lift your hands and the moment you really begin to dial in, maybe you're in the front of the church and somebody on the back row is unwrapping a peppermint and it sounds like it's right inside your head. Because that's the enemy wanting to distract you from the worship. Now, if you ate a peppermint this morning, I have no knowledge of that. But let the master draw you in to a place where nothing can distract you. That means letting go of everything. Letting go of all the boxes that have not been unpacked. Whew. 
letting, letting go of all of the fact that the house looks like a train wreck right now because boxes are everywhere. But I cannot be consumed with boxes. I'm talking about me. I've got to be consumed with him. I've got to be present in the moment because I don't want to miss what he has. So where was the posture? The posture was at the feet of Jesus. She was drawn in. Listen, it, it kind of goes like this. David's wife, Michal, loved David as a king, but she despised him as a worshiper. You know, when David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem and he was, he was dancing before the Lord and he, just, he took off his kingly robe and he cast it by the wayside, which, which is signifying that he was laying aside his kingship or his title and he was just a worshiper before the Lord. And when he got home, his wife says, Oh, you disrobed yourself and you were naked in front of all of the handmaids on this day. He wasn't naked. She despised him because he was worshiping. Can I tell you that's your first calling? Before you're ever called to do anything in ministry, you're called to be a worshiper? What's the next point? The proclamation. Look at verse 41. But the Lord answered and said to, to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. My Lord. Worried and bothered by so many things. What are you worried and bothered about today? He didn't say one thing was bothering you. He said so many things. We've allowed ourselves to become worried and bothered by so many things that it's hindered our worship. We're so consumed by what we will do next that we fail to worship. And if we're not careful, we, we allow ourselves to get so caught up in the festivities around us that we fail to worship. What are you worried about today? What is the thing that is bothering you today? What is it that has consumed your thoughts this morning? You've become distracted from your worship. I said it a moment ago, but you cannot literally cannot worry while you worship. The two cannot coexist. The moment your thoughts are consumed in worship, worry is driven away. Because you realize nothing else matters. You don't care about anything else. And Jesus called Martha out and announced that she was worried and bothered by so many things. And my prayer today is that if we are worried and bothered by so many things, may the Lord call us out. You say, preacher, that's tough. I pray before I walk to this platform. Father, if there's anything in my life that stands between me and you, if there's anything in my life that I don't readily know about and I don't recognize, I ask you to forgive me and remove it because I don't want anything to stand between me and him when I stand before his people today. I pray that every time before I walk to the pulpit because I don't want anything to stand between me and him. I don't want anything to hinder my worship. I don't want to be bothered and worried by so many things. But this much I know about my Lord. When we are consumed in true worship unto the Father, many things are accomplished in our lives. And we'll have less to be worried about and less to be bothered by. Which brings me to my last point. The principle. Look at verse 42. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, but shall not be taken away from her. Now, I want to preach this backwards. Is that all right? Look at the last part. Which shall not be taken away from her. This is all the way back in the Gospels. This is all the way back many, 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 many years ago. And he said she's chosen the good thing and it will not be taken away from her. What does that mean? Do you worship today? 
Do we worship today? What Mary was doing, we still do today. So what he was saying was, the very thing that is needed most will not be taken from you. What does that mean, preacher? We're worshiping him today. But can I tell you when the blast of the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then those who are alive and remain shall be caught up in the air to be with the Lord. When we get on the other side of glory, we're going to spend all of the eons of eternity doing nothing but sitting at the throne of a holy God with our hands raised, worshiping him. It will never be taken away. You will worship from now throughout all eternity. Why not get started today? Hey. Get started today. Can I tell you that studies and statistics show that like 95 to 97% of the things that we worry about never even happen? Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. Some of you are going to sit in your rocking chair and start rocking and you're going to think about that. And I pray you throw your hands up and start worshiping. But the proclamation was this. One thing is needed. Now this is important. You say, why is this important? Because God knows His creation. And he knows that a lot of us can't walk and chew bubble gum. We don't need to be worried about doing two things. Some of us are not multitaskers. We need to be focused on one thing. And it's not the dishes. Did you hear what I said? One thing is needed. Let me stay close. Because i got to give you something here that you need to hang on to. One thing is necessary. The King James says needful. The New King James says needed. The key is only one thing. We are a people who believe that the more we do, the better we are. The more we're involved, the more important we feel. Hello. But the reality is simply this. Only one thing is needed. Only one thing we should be consumed with. And it's not work. It's not ministry. It's not serving. It's worship. So consumed by the worship that we're not distracted by anything else going on around us. Preparation is important. But hear what I'm telling you. Your posture is more important. It's at the feet of Jesus. The one thing that is needed is not your worry. It's not your being bothered. It's not your being troubled. But your one thing is being present in the presence of the Savior. Martha was in His presence, but she was not present. I told you that earlier. Listen, here's what happened to Martha. And let me say it to you like this. Don't allow the details of the dishes to distract you from His deity. Don't allow the details of the dishes to distract you from His deity. Don't allow the worry of the work to distract you from worshiping. Don't allow the worry of the work to distract you from the one to be worshipped. Let me tell you what I've come to learn. When things are right in this room, 
everything else will fall into place. Now what do you mean by this room? I mean the sanctuary. When everything is right in here, we don't have to worry about anything else. Everything else will just fall in line like clockwork. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying when we are so consumed in worship that it is the focal point of our attention. It is where we're driven to. Then we won't be worried and we won't be bothered because we'll be so consumed in worship that we don't have time to be worried or bothered. Whew. Hear me what I'm telling you today. When things are right inside the sanctuary of God, everything else will come together. You don't have to be worried about finances. You don't have to be worried about children. You don't have to be worried about your spouse. You don't have to be worried about the dog. You don't have to be worried about your job. Some of you are looking at me like he's lost his mind. No. The reality of it is, is we have elevated worry to the place of worship so much that we have lost the art and forgotten how to truly worship. Why do we lift our hands? I don't know why you lift your hands. I don't know why I lift my hands. Because we're admonished in Scripture to lift up holy hands unto the Lord. But here's what else I know. That if I'm dragging around a problem, and before I lift my hands, I've got to turn it loose to lift my hands. It forces you to lay down whatever you've been dragging around, whatever you've been distracted by, whatever you've been bothered by. It forces you to let it go and turn your back on it and say, God, I'm here to worship you and do nothing else but get lost in worship. Too many times, this is what we do. Listen, I know, I get it. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it feels like your heart's heavy. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but I'm telling you, I feel the prophetic anointing in this house. I don't know, heart's heavy, preacher. You don't understand what I've walked through. You don't understand where I've been, what I've gone through. Listen to what I'm telling you this morning. The hardest thing you'll do is to let it go and lift your hands. And when you get your mind on him, everything else will change. Everything else will fall into place. Everything else will become what he wants it to become. That's why when you wake up in the morning, your feet at the floor, you should say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Not, oh God, it's Monday. It may be Monday, but it's still the day the Lord has made it. I choose to rejoice and be glad in it. The steps of a good man are ordered and directed by the Lord. He's directing my steps. I don't care if it is Monday. So what if something tragic comes my way? I'm going to worship him in spite of whatever the devil throws at me. And I'm going to let God navigate me through it. you got to put it down. You got to turn it loose. And you got to let it go. What are you saying? I'm just simply telling you this morning. It matters not 
what you've been consumed with. It matters not what you've been through or what you've been worried about. I've come by to tell you this morning, you can walk out of this place having laid it all down at His feet with your hands raised in worship and knowing that He is not against you, but He is for you and He is working all things for your good and for His glory. It's one thing that's needed. Drop everything in worship. Stop worrying in worship. Stop being bothered in worship. Stop the fretting in worship. Stop allowing yourself to be distracted by everything. And just worship. Just worship Him. Just stand in His presence and worship. Allow yourself to become so lost in worship. Allow yourself to be completely consumed and engulfed in worship. My God. Why is it important? Are you ready? Look at verse 42 one more time. I'm, I'm, I'm about done. I didn't say I was closing. I said I was about done. Look at verse 42. One thing is necessary. Needful or needed. I think we all know what the word necessary means. Inevitable. It means it's vitally important. It's the job at hand. It's the thing we have to do, right? He said one thing is necessary. Why is it needed? Why is it necessary? Because if you look at the Greek meaning of the word necessary, needful, or needed, it literally means employment. It's our job to worship. That's my job. It's not my job to get up here and preach. Some of you are thinking, well, I thought that's why you came. It's not my job to be a pastor. It's not my job to be a husband. It's my job to worship. That's my responsibility to be a husband. It's my responsibility to be a pastor. You're going to get it in a minute, I promise you. It's my responsibility to get up here and preach. It's my responsibility to be a father to my children. But it's not my job. Because the word needed or needful means employment. And the last time I checked when you were employed and that was your job, you received a payment for that. It's our job to worship. It's my employment to worship. Because you will never, ever, 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 ever engage yourself and consume yourself in the act of worship except that God doesn't pay you something. That means you're going to receive something. You see, well, you said it wasn't your job to be a pastor. No, listen. You have many responsibilities that you don't get paid for. Hello. Right? It is your responsibility to be a good driver, but you don't get paid for that. When's the last time you said, now, I know these insurance companies have all this junk, we'll give you a safe driver, but my point is this. When you work on a job and you're employed by that job, you have a boss or you have a company who's going to write you wages, a check. 
Now, I'm not telling you that when you consume yourself in worship that it's always going to be money, but I am telling you this, that no good thing will he withhold from you. Whatever you have need of, you may get so lost in worship that it's healing for your body. You may get so lost in worship that it's the salvation of your children. You may get so consumed in worship that it's that it's a miracle of finances. You may get so lost in worship that it's a marriage restored or that it's a relationship with somebody else restored. What are you saying? I'm just simply telling you, when you understand that only one thing is necessary, and it's not to worry about all of those things and to be bothered by all of those things, it's just to stand and worship. And when you get so lost in that moment, I have a heavenly father that'll stand up over the throne and the balcony of heaven and he'll take notice of what you're doing and he'll say, I've got something special for you. I just wonder, in this house today, is there anybody who could say, Pastor, I need to worship because of where God's brought me from. Maybe he's delivered you from drug addiction or alcohol or, I don't know, maybe prostitution or pornography. Whatever it is, just worship him. You say, but preacher, I ain't had any of those. No, but all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all on our way to hell. If you claim to be blood-bought, that's reason enough to get on your feet and lift your hands and begin to worship him. One Thing is needed. One thing is needed. Let me tell you what my prayer is. My prayer is that this house be so consumed and weighted by the presence and the glory of God that it is impossible for us to stand in it. My prayer is that nothing else distracts us. My prayer is, is that nothing else bothers us. Listen, I had to learn a long time ago, just let things go. Just let it go. I gauge things like this. Does it have any bearing on eternity? If it's not a heaven or hell issue, let it go. What does that mean, preacher? If it's, not, if it's going to keep you out of heaven and send you to hell, let it go. Deal with it. But if it's not going to do that, let it go. What does that mean? Here's what it means. Somebody snapped at you at work. It can become a heaven or hell issue if you let it get in your heart. Let it go. Let it go. Sneak off to the break room and lift your hands and say, Lord, I know what they said, but I choose to worship you. Or just stand right there in front of them and say, I know what you said about me, but I'm just going to worship him. Because what's happened is the enemy has slipped in and slithered in and caused us to be so encumbered and distracted that we drag around a lot of junk that we need to turn loose of and let go so we can worship Stand with me all over this house. My job is to worship. 